Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for At The Movies. And yes, we are going to be bringing out biblical truths from movies from, well, ones that we love. And today, I get to start off with a movie that anyone my age, especially a boy that loves baseball, would get into. And that's because right about the time I was 12 or so in the, in the early 90s, another group of roughly 12-year-olds came out in a baseball movie. And this movie starts off like any 90s movie does, and it's, it's a, our main character walking through hallways, walking through a hallway as the beginning credits start to play. And as he's walking through and he slides into his announcer's booth, he's in Dodgers Stadium. And his life is built around this game. All around him, you can see items that call back to some of baseball's greatest moments. And also on the shelf and on the walls are some items that call back to the greatest summer in his life. And that's the summer that really changed the direction for him for his entire life. And he begins to narrate, and we really hear the heart of a grateful man calling back to that summer. And the, the problem is the Scotty Smalls we see in that moment is not the Scotty Smalls that we see when that, when that summer starts. So that summer, he moves to a new town where he knows nobody. School's already out, so he has no chance to, to make any kind of friendships that'll carry him through. And, and as he's desperately seeking a place to belong, he sees his only chance. And it's in a group of boys that are down in this dirt field playing baseball. There's one problem. These boys play baseball day in, day out, every day of the summer with little exception. And, well, you'll have to see this clip to understand. Smalls is bad. In fact, he's terrible. And just like that, 
his one chance to try to fit in with this group of boys is gone because him and everyone on that field realizes that he doesn't belong. And at some point, we've, if we're honest, we've all had those type of moments. We've all had a time in our life where we have felt like we didn't belong. And to, be, to, to go back 2,000 years, things, things weren't much different. They're actually probably a little worse. And see, we have, we have a guy named Matthew, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and he lived an incredible life. He lived a life in pursuit of spreading the gospel and trying to get everyone he could see and talk to to understand who this Jesus was. In fact, he wrote the book on Jesus, one of them, one of the four gospels. It is the first gospel we come to in the New Testament, and it's, it's unique for a lot of reasons. He puts a lot of his heart, just like all the writers of the Gospels do, the way they saw Jesus moving through their lives. And in fact, the only reason we know that Peter walked on water is because Matthew records it. Matthew and Matthew alone. Some of the most comforting words in Scripture in Matthew 11 are because of Matthew, because he chose to write those down. And because of the gospel of Matthew, we have this beautiful picture of God's promises and his faithfulness to keep those promises. And he keeps those promises in the person of Jesus. So I wonder, years later, after this moment that he met Jesus, when he sits down to write his version of the gospel, what what memories came back to him first? There has to be a flood, an overwhelming flood of gratefulness for everything Jesus did. <clears throat> and I, I've got to believe that it goes back to that first moment, the first moment that he was invited by Jesus to join him. And The reason why that moment is so special is because the Matthew we get, the Matthew that writes this Bible isn't the same Matthew we start off with. The Matthew we start off with, though I'm sure he's tried over and over and over again to fit in with his culture, with his people, he just can't. And there's one reason for that. Matthew is a tax collector. And the tax collectors are the lowest rung because his job is to literally collect taxes for the occupying force of the Roman Empire through his people. He collects from his people. And so, like Smalls, Matthew didn't belong. And it was clear he was told that day in and day out as he did his job. Now, this is... It's a very simple passage. It's a very short passage. But it's Matthew 9, chapter 1. And as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, 
So Matthew got up and followed him. That's it. That's all we have of this moment. There's right after this, Matthew invites Jesus in, in to have dinner with him and his friends. And there, there's some stuff going on there. But what's really important about this is when we zoom out. When we back up from this one text and we look at chapters 8 and 9 as a whole, we see something special. Now, chapters 8 and 9 are nothing but miracles. In fact, I've got a list right here. So chapters 8, verse 1, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Verse 5, heals a young servant. 14, heals many, many people. Heals many people. Uh, calms the storm, uh, casts out two demons out of de- two de- demon-possessed men, heals a paralyzed man, um, entering, entering into chapter 9, uh, brings a leader's daughter back to life, um, stops the woman from bleeding, a bleeding she's had for almost her whole life, heals two blind men, and then more demon-possessed men, and it kind of goes on and on and on. That's two chapters of nothing but miracles. And right in the middle is chapter 9, verse 1. So right in the middle of all of the healings and all of the miracles, Matthew puts the story of him being called to Jesus. And there's so much significance in there. And the main thing is, Matthew sees that as a miracle. As a day that his life is changed forever. There is one point in his life where he was the Matthew of old and the Matthew of new. And that's the moment that starts it. And so, of course, we see in Matthew someone that wants the same for others. Someone who pushes his gospel to share what Jesus is, who Jesus is, all that he's done, and all that his people will do through him. And that's why we have in the end of Matthew the Great Commission. It's the only place it's really recorded in Scripture. And of course it comes from Matthew because Matthew's life was changed by a miracle. Chapter 18, or I'm sorry, verse 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, parents, kids, when mom and dad are leaving to go run an errand or go on a date, the last thing that they say, in in our case, in our household, is the thing that better get done. Amen? Is is that just our household? Walking out the door, make sure you clean your room or clean all this. That is the stuff that better get done. This is the last thing Jesus says to us. 
to his followers. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is Jesus. This is literally the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is the guy. But we are meant to follow him. We are meant to do what he does. We are meant to be his vessels to live out the mission that he started. And one of my favorite excuses of being an introvert. We got any introverts in here? You're all extroverts? That's amazing. So, one of the excuses we like to use, and I'm sure there's extroverts that use it too, that's not my gifting. Has anyone used that before? Oh, I can't go tell people about Jesus. I can't go to church. That's not my gifting. It doesn't matter if it's your gifting. Everyone has relationship. Everyone has people they know and they care about. And honestly, what holds us back is fear. Fear has a funny way of inflating reality. Makes things so much bigger and so much scarier than what they actually are. And there's a great example of that right, right here. To the beast, and he grew big, and he grew mean, so that he could protect the junkyard with one thing on his mind to kill everyone that broke in. And he did, and he liked it a lot. The beast was the most perfect junkyard dog that ever lived a true killing machine. But after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing thieves the ones the beast had killed. It added up to about 120, 173 guys. It's true. But they never found a single body, not one. Some people say they all got away, but we all know what really happened. The beast ate them. He ate them bone and all. The beast was too good at his guard dog job, so the police said he had to be retired. My grandpa Squigman Palladores was police chief back then when he ordered Mr. Myrtle to turn his backyard into a fortress and chain up the beast and put him under the house where he could never get out to eat children and stuff. And that's where he's been for 20 years and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave, they said until Forever, 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 forever. So what leads up to that moment is Scotty Smalls not knowing baseball hits his father-in-law's, no, I'm sorry, stepfather's baseball over the fence into where this dog Lives and not knowing that, he finds out that this ball is signed by Babe Ruth, so it has to be retrieved. There's a problem. There's a big, scary monster 
of a dog on the other side of that fence. Or at least what they see is a big, scary monster. So they're trying to figure out how to get this. And I'll tell you this. Once we're able to move past our fears, once we're able to step past what we believe to be reality and realize what is reality, it opens the door for adventure. And there's no better adventure than living a life serving our King, our Creator, Jesus. Some of those ventures may have you pickling a beast. As we start our adventure, very well realize that that big beast that we think is ready to eat us, in fact, is just a slobbery dog that wants to play.
arm and I can't lift it. One simple invite leads to life change, it leads to adventure, and it leads to treasure, apparently. The creator of the Sandlot, the guy who wrote, directed, and narrated it, he wrote the story as a kid trying to find that place of belonging, and he finds that belonging in the Sandlot Boys. He based it off a true story. In fact, it's his story, except for one detail. When he moved in to the new neighborhood in summer and tried to belong with a group of boys that played baseball, those boys didn't become his friends. They became his tormentors and his bullies. And there was a real life dog and there was a promise of being able to play with them if he would just go over that fence, or actually it was his brother would just go over that fence and grab the ball, and, and there was a dog bite. And he describes a childhood of misery because of these boys. And as he sat down to write this story, he had to turn his bullies into heroes. And he says because it's the way he wished it turned out. He wished that the, the sandlot is how his childhood went. And I got to be honest, us as a church, we can be a little of, in danger of being that. Not, not bullying, not, that's not what I'm saying. But we can see people as enemies because they don't believe the same thing that we do. When in fact they're not our enemies, they're, they're our mission. People we work with, we go to school with, our friends, our family, 
Eternity stands as the reward. Their lives are at stake. We want to change the hearts and the minds of the people of our world, and we do it in ways that we were never meant to do it. But the starting point, the starting point of making our community a better place, the starting point of changing our world is filling this room. Now, I know that's super simplistic, and that's why I say that is the starting point. The early church, and when I say early church, I mean it's the, the people directly after Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the people that carried on the mission in the beginning and the ones that went out to the Roman world and changed that world. Their main piece of evangelism, which just means sharing the gospel, the main way they changed the world and let Christianity spread throughout is they just simply went out in the communities and they invited people in to their groups. They invited people into their community and as the people came in, knowing nothing about Jesus, they ate with them and they hung out with them and they knew, just like Jesus, is tell, Jesus tells us, they will know us by our love. They knew that if you get them into a room full of Jesus followers, ones, ones that are actually chasing after Jesus, the way they see them love on each other, the way they see them treat each other, the way they are treated when they're there is so contrary to the rest of the world. It is irresistible. And that opens the door to what's next. We're going to sing a song here pretty soon. I don't know where Dustin is. But uh, there he is. They're all coming out. Sorry. And I got a challenge for you during this song. Who are those people in your life? Who needs to see Jesus? And the way they do that, they need to see Jesus through you and Jesus through his people. That's the church. Okay. So, it's a good batting average. If you can three, hit 300, you're pretty dang good. Three for 10, 30%. Stick with the baseball theme. How, how many of us aren't even taking the shoulder off our bats? Or off our bats off our shoulders? How many of us aren't even taking the opportunity to get in this game? Because the, the last command given to us was to go and make disciples, change the world. And the thing is, life change starts with a simple invite. Starts. That's the important part. 
but it's got to start somewhere. And it really could be a simple invite, just like this one. some ball and we need an extra guy. You want to go? No, thanks. Why not? Don't you like baseball? Oh, yeah, but, um... Uh... But what? Uh, but my glove. It's busted. Uh, so, you know, I can't go. Thanks, though. It's okay. I got an extra one. Come on, let's go. That's how it started for Scotty. One simple invite to play a game. I love baseball, but what we're called to is so much better than that game. There's so much more to it than that game. So, who do we need to go to? Who around us needs a place to belong? Whose life can change with a simple invite? Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for where you have placed us. Lord, you have done so much for us. The song said earlier, when the rain and the winds come, Our life is built on that solid foundation on you. How many people around us, when things are shaking, they don't have that solid foundation that we have and they they need it. Give us courage. Help us to face our fears. And help us to do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, you have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.